Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the worlds of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the one and only Dan Z, and I are recording this on Wednesday, August 19th, which, as you were just telling me when we were pre-gaming, that, what, your third day in, in back in school, right? That's right. We had three days with just teachers getting our classrooms ready, making sure our desks are socially distanced, uh, trying to plan for remote learners. And it's it's pretty intense. It's crazy. But I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way because this is the way the world is. So I need to accept that. And I have. And as I was just telling you, this is a wonderful challenge for me. I like to reinvent myself as an educator all the time because otherwise I think you get stale. And if I'm stale, I think the lessons become stale for the students. So I am ready to see what's going to happen. I'm excited. I, I I love your attitude, and and I have to tell you, coming from a family of educators, this is the toughest time of year in, in a normal school year. Just you know, getting a classroom set back up, you know, new lesson plans, you know, learning, you know, the, the new kids who are coming to your class. I can't imagine doing this on top of what COVID, how it's tipped the world upside down. And you want to add um, some more fun to that? I, I'm fighting a pretty serious case of poison ivy too. So we've had quite a week. Oh, jeez! <laughs> so sorry. That's okay. all right. All right. Well, again, it's it's tail end of summer, uh, and so we are now, Dan, one month out from the primetime Emmys, which will be presented Sunday, September twentieth. Um, and as happens uh, during this time of year, especially when you're a show that, that's had as many nominations as The Mandalorian, um, your your creative team is out there doing PR. You know, you're out there, you know, glad handing, trying to get folks who are going to vote for the Emmys to pay attention to your show. So, did you see the interview uh, the Hollywood Reporter posted? I think just today with. Uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni? You know what? I purposely avoided it because I had a feeling we were going to talk about it on the show tonight, and I wanted to just have my immediate fresh reaction. So hit me with it. Oh, okay. Um, well, it, it's it's kind of standard stuff, but there's some wonderful little bends, you know, little bits of info on it. Uh, for example, uh, and the reporter from The Hollywood Reporter asked Favreau, why was the child kept a secret? And, you know, and Favreau explained, when you're promoting a film, you have to put your best stuff out there for a marketing campaign because you want everybody to show up on that Friday, whereas television is different. You, you, you want to be able to build. You want word of mouth to spread. Um, you, you want people to tune in and know that something is going to happen that they're going to want to talk about. So he felt that it was very important that uh, to establish right from the get-go that they were going to be surprises on this show. Um, on the other hand, uh, Dave Filoni got asked, did you know that the child was going to be this big? And you know, he talked about, you know, to be honest, when they were shooting the show, I mean, everyone was charmed by this character. But um, they, in fact, they referred to him as the little guy. Uh, but the first person who really clocked that this was going to be bigger than anybody realized was Werner Herzog. Um, we were so focused on just making the show and bringing that character to life. But Werner was like, this is really magical. This is, you know, I mean, this is a big deal. 
And and I think that the best part of, of the interview was um, Dave got asked about George Lucas's reaction to the show. And, you know, it, I, any of us who saw the, um, you know, the, the Star Wars, the Mandalorian Disney gallery uh, documentary series, they, they had that, you know, footage of, of George actually on the set of the, the show. Um, and Filoni talked about, well, he was very complimentary. And I, I think even he's enjoyed the show. And he said once that now he gets to watch Star Wars as a fan and, and watch it as a viewer. And he you know, said that um, for something else, was it maybe The Force Awakens, the first time he saw mm -hmm. it? And there was something rather charming about that. And when he said it for The Force Awakens, there's a part of you that felt like, well, gosh, it's a little bittersweet for him. And I think I may be getting that from Bob Iger's autobiography. But for this, you know, you just know that it's authentic and genuine. And obviously the dust is long settled on his selling of his company to Disney. And it's it's wonderful. And it's got to feel good for Filoni and Favreau to have their idol and their mentor say, hey, I like what you're doing with what I created. I mean, that's got to be magic like nothing else. Oh, I agree. I agree. But um, and, and while we're talking about these uh, Star Wars limited series that are being done for Disney+, Plus, I don't know if you saw, but they, they've started to add to the cast of that Rogue One uh, prequel show. Yes. Uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm going to mangle this name, and I apologize. Okay, Adria? I have faith in you that you will. <laughs> <laughs> Adria Arjona? I honestly am not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, she's been uh, they, they they have yet to describe her role in the show, um, which again is uh, has been described as basically a spy thriller uh, that's set in the, the early days of the rebellion. Um, and that's very much but, what the kind of the tone that Cassian Andor is in when we first meet him in Rogue One before he encounters Jen Erso. So that definitely adds up and explains why he is someone who is fulcrum fulcrum before mm -hmm. Ahsoka, really. Yeah, yeah, no, I did that. Or after I, Ahsoka, I guess, yeah. I get it. The, the weird thing is Rogue One has been showing up a lot lately on TNT and, and TBS. And, I, you know, Dan, I, 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 I'm almost ashamed to admit this. I will just stop for a minute, you know, to sort of eyeball it and get sucked back in. It really is an, an entertaining Star Wars film. It's a top, um, it's one of the top, probably top five or six Star Wars films ever made, I think that's fair to say. And quite a few people that I talk with on a regular basis count it as top two or three. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unlike anything else, but it's, it's got this wonderful Star Wars edge to it, but it's it's a lot more sophisticated, I think, in, in the cost and in the way that it's handled. It's it's excellent. Well, I, I have to admit, that's what kind of excites me about Tony Gilroy, who who co-wrote the you know the original Rogue One film. Uh, he's writing the pilot, and he's going to be directing multiple, not only directing multiple episodes of the show, but he's serving as the showrunner. So um, that sort of hopefully that sort of sophisticated feel will will permeate this limited series as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm optimistic. Okay. You know, kind of burying the needle in the entirely different direction. Did you see the news uh, this week about the Lego Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> I did. I got a press release on that, and uh, I have a feeling it's going to probably be better made and more entertaining than the original holiday special. 
What did you notice when it's airing? Thanksgiving um, time, right? Well, not just Thanksgiving time. It's November 17th. It's the exact same day as the CBS uh, Star Wars holiday special back in 78. Oh, you got to love that. That's great. Yeah. That, I'm sorry. That is not a coincidence. Of course that, not. You know, that that's somebody who, who you know, I mean, again, typically new Disney stuff drops on Fridays, but it's just sort of like, oh, that's too good to pass up. Um but yeah, it's supposedly, if you've read the press release, you know Ray Finn and Poe Dameron uh, get back together for Life Day. Uh, and I, but, but speaking of Life Day, um, I, 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 I heard this fascinating thing from a friend uh, who works in, at Disney World Entertainment, uh, who you know, first of all asked me if I'd read the... Uh, what is it? Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Traveler's Guide book. And it was like, well, Nick, oh, yeah, Cole Dan Horton. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, by, by Cole Horton. Uh, and yes, yeah, you know, Dan and I had actually, I think, reviewed it on our last show and said, did you, do you read it, right? Yeah, like you, you really read it. And it's like, well, yeah. So did you notice about the holidays? And the three holidays, I guess, are right. Black Spire Day. Uh, Harvest Festival and then Life Day. Yep. Um, it turns out he, the, the person I was talking with, had just come out of the meeting for 2021, where they're locking in the holiday schedule. They're blocking out days for these these holidays inside of Galaxy's Edge. I think that's. Um, you know what? When I read that, I had a feeling they were going to use that as a promotional for the parks, and I'm absolutely thrilled about that. Well, now, again, he he warned me that these are fairly loosey goosey at this point. I mean, sure. obviously, you know, given our COVID coronavirus world, you know, it, it's hard to know a year from now, you know, how you know if the parks will be act, you know, up and operating the way they were, or whether they'll be continuing along as they are today. Um, but evidently, it should this go forward, Black Spire Day is actually going to be May 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. Yeah. Um, Harvest Festival seems to be the one that's most slippy, slidey right now. It's a pretty ambiguous term. Like when I read the other two, it's very clear where they fit in or out of the actual mythology itself. But the other one I thought, I'm not sure how this one fits. This maybe is something new just for this. Well, it, and again, it's interesting that, that you say that because it's supposedly... Um, there are two schools of thought. One is that um, this would ideally be something that could be staged at Disney's Hollywood Studios at a time when the Magic Kingdom is doing Mickey's Not So Scary and that sort of thing. Um, but th there are several people within their t entertainment. It's like, look, we have this period between, uh, you know, uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving where the studio, I mean, yes, they put up the holiday decorations, um, but, you know, it, it's one of these things where it's like, wouldn't this be a smarter thing to drop in there to give people an artificial reason to visit the park between Halloween and Thanksgiving? Um, and, but I, I guess the argument against that was among Star Wars fans, um, I guess Life Day is actually celebrated on November 17th. Is, uh, is... There are some that uh, mention it on social media and have some fun. I've never really done much with that, but I can tell you this, and I can promise you this. Mm -hmm. 
if yep. they put a Christmas tree in front of the Millennium Falcon uh, in in Galaxy's Edge, I will probably die with a smile on my face, and a plastic surgeon will not be able to get it off. Okay. Well, I, I, I will say this much that, in fact, it's going to be kind of interesting because I guess they, uh, they have looped in uh, the folks at Lucasfilm who do concept art for the films. Um, and, but the notion is... Doug Chang, working, you mean? I, uh, wow. I, I, I believe there were, that was a name that was mentioned. That'd be amazing. Um, but the idea is work in the Venn diagram... Of it's got to look holiday, but it's got to look authentically Star Wars. Um, so, and in fact, what's, what's kind of weird is they were supposedly inspired by what was done uh, for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, where you know their holiday decorations were very, very specific for the Wizarding World. I mean, you could look at them and say, okay, holiday, but I'll cook, it's also. I'm in the Hogwarts or I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in Diagon Alley. You know, they, so it's the same thing. It's like, how do you do the holidays at Batu? You know, and more particularly Black Spire Outpost. Um, so going to be kind of interesting because the, these sorts of things, these decorative elements have to be made months and months in advance um so and there's also i'm sure the the challenge of theming in it because if it's supposed to be in canonic canonical which i think is going to be more and more challenging as time goes on throughout the years personally but they're going to have to find a logistical way or a logical way in a story to have christmas trees and christmas decorations and things like that i mean i've only seen the holiday special once and it was when it originally aired so you know what? Maybe you and I, you know what we should do? We should probably watch it and do a commentary for a show in December. That might oh, be really fun. Oh, I, that's, uh, you know, it's, that's, a, that's a lot of Harvey Corman. I, you know, oh, that, there's no such thing as too much Harvey Corman. Too much Drew Taylor? There's definitely, that's a thing. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there we go. Okay. That's it. That just clocking in, folks. What? We're, we're, we're kind of 12 early. minutes in. Yeah. We got the Drew Taylor thing. Man. Um, okay, uh, speaking, uh, getting back to the Disney World version of, of Batu, which, you know, again, you got to remember, the only reason I learned about this, because their Disney World's open, you know, the Dis- Disneyland, we're, we're still waiting on that, that plan to get that park open. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance was not open, uh, you know, for at least a day last week, did because the the show building got hit by this amazing bolt of lightning and that um, blew out so many systems they couldn't get the the attraction up and running again till August 12th and I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures coming out of of um, Walt Disney World just today but uh, they're still having operational issues from from that lightning strike. That's uh, that's pretty scary, and, and and they had a hard enough time when things were going, uh, you know, on a normal schedule anyway. And so that's, I mean, that ride is so complicated and so complex and so much cutting edge stuff. So that is mm-hmm. the last thing they needed. I think we should uh, write a petition to the universe and say, can you give uh, Galaxy's Edge some sort of a break, please? Because it really is a <laughs> wonderful place to go. Well, you know, you know, and the weird thing of it is, is that seriously, if you look, uh, you know, in fact, there's the famous story of, of when Walt Disney was asked, asked by Emily Bavar, 
I believe this was uh, 1964, uh, about uh, Mr. Disney. There's this rumor about somebody buying up all this land in Central Florida, and you know that that, that some people say it's the aerospace centers, some say it's Ford, and there's a number of people say it's you. And he's like, "Oh, Emily, it couldn't possibly be less. Do you know how?" You know how many inches of rain you get per year, and you know, he was able to cite the exact figure. Do you know how many lightning strike? You're the lightning strike capital of the world, and you know Emily walked away from this the, the interview, and basically anybody who knows that much about you know Central Florida is buying land in Central. Florida. Exactly. And, yeah. So so Walt himself, after you know all of those lawyers, you know, working at assumed names and shell companies, and it's Walt himself who blows it. Um. But anyway, um, speaking of, of operational issues, I, I, at least we have one good bit of good news uh, in regard to uh, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. And um, face it, you, one of the, th the concerns since ever since this attraction has first opened, it's been the whole boarding group situation and, you know, having to, to link your reservation to your friends and hoping you can get into the same boarding group and on the attraction at the same time. And you have about 10 seconds to do it in many occasions. That you do, that you do. But just today, Disney has updated the, my Disney experience app, which will make guests, especially guests who were, who've come to the park in a larger group, make it that much easier for them to uh, book a, a boarding group on rise of the resistance, so, you know, for the entire party. They've, they finally updated the app. They finally streamlined the process. So, um, I, again, I, my problem is, folks, I have trouble operating a remote control. So if I were to explain this to you, you would probably get thrown out of the park. So were, I, I suggest. Were you the guy that had a hard time programming his VCR back in the day? I, I, I you know, it was always 12 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm sorry. Just I'm 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 not a terribly technical guy. I, I brownie cameras were about as sophisticated as I could get. Did you see um just this week uh the, the Coca-Cola droid carts in Galaxy's Edge? Um they've begun in addition to selling the little thermal detonators uh filled with coke products, they're also selling gold squadron lager now. Are they um, really? I did not know that. See, this is one of the great reasons it's fun to do the show with you because you let me know about things I hadn't heard about yet. Tell me more. Well, I, uh, basically, this was supposedly exclusive inside of Oga's Cantina. Uh, but remember, you know, Oga's Cantina still, I mean, charming, you know, definitely worth checking out, but still That's has great. Um, even under, you know, the current operational park issues, still has capacity problems. Um, so this was kind of a half measure to to make sure that people could you know also get this. So uh, again, it's at these two carts. Uh, mind you, it's fourteen dollars a bottle, but you know, but you can get some uh, gold squadron lager there rather than you know having to wait in line forever to get into Ogas. Is there an exclusive and, can or anything like that, or is it just the drink itself? I it. it the photo that I saw appears to be a fairly, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a surprisingly generic can, but I, but I guess with the arabesque writing on the outside and that sort of thing. So, oh, that's fun. I get, yeah. So, um, speaking of which, though, that if 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 you and I were there in Galaxy's Edge right now, Dan, we'd we'd probably be pouring out a, uh, you know, a. a 
Gold Squadron lager because face it, you know, this this coming week was when, you know, Star Wars celebration was supposed to be held out in Anaheim. Um, and it's just kind of depressing that it isn't going to happen this year. Um, but that said, folks, uh, Dan and I decided going into tonight's show, uh, we weren't going to be obsessive or depressed about this. We were actually going to bury the needle in the other way and that we were going to celebrate Star Wars celebration. And in fact, when we get back from our break, uh, Dan's going to talk about, about the five different times he went to Star Wars Celebration. And we're back. Um, okay, Dan, so just to give a little uh, background here again, the, the Star Wars Celebration Anaheim was supposed to have been held August 27th through the 30th at the Anaheim uh, Convention Center. And again, to, to sort of put an additional sting in here, uh, opening night, uh, of the event, there was supposed to be the Star Wars night at Disneyland Park, uh, you know, on the, the, the night of the 27th. But this whole event wound up being con uh, canceled back on June 15th due to the coronavirus. And this, um, there have been 13 of these to date, right? Um, that sounds right. Okay. First was held, uh, according to my research, in Denver, Colorado at the Wings Over the Rockies Museum from uh, April 30th to May 2nd, 1999. Uh, and I have to assume the timing there was this, this, of the initial event was to sort of help support and promote Phantom Menace? It was to promote the Phantom Menace and create this new con. And one of the things it's the most famous for was the torrential rain was relentless and getting into the convention itself was very, very challenging and took a long time. Many, many people were waterlogged over the experience of Star Wars Celebration 1, but people talk about it very fondly. Okay, well, you know, again, you, you always have to allow for the, you know, the, the first, when you're launching a new con, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the initial D23 Expo had more than its share of issues, uh, you know, but again, you know, it, it turned out to be a good thing. Now, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. The very first Star Wars celebration you went to was the one in Indianapolis uh, in 2005? Yep, Star Wars Celebration 3. And it was the first time that George Lucas made an appearance at Celebration. Holy cow. Okay. Uh, now, uh, just to be clear here, and I want to point this out, folks, that, that this is... Uh, Dan went to this this particular Star Wars celebration as a civilian. That he was not, you know, the the Ubermeister of, of of all things Star Wars at that point. You were just a, a a diehard fan going to this event. So, can you talk about when you first found out about it was coming to Indianapolis? Or? Of of course, yeah. I uh, I knew it was coming to Indianapolis, and I wanted to go to the other two, but it just I just couldn't make it work time wise. And then when I saw that was happening, this was, of course, to promote Revenge of the Sith, which at that time I thought was going to be the last Star Wars mm -hmm. film. Obviously, it wasn't. And so we got, I got a ticket just for Saturday. And I talked, to, and I was going to go by myself, and I found out a good friend of mine, Brian Romersberger, was going. So I called him, and we carpooled together. Had the most wonderful time. And actually, that's one of the reasons I think that it inspired Coffee with Kenobi, because... I would be in lines with people or walking the show floors or looking at the merchandise and just and just feeling so much this incredible pull to be more a part of the community, more a part of the conversation. 
And I would engage with people, and we would talk. But it would, of course, be very, very brief. And they probably thought, well, who is this guy that's talking to me about Star Wars? I, I just want to be with my other friends talking about Star Wars. And I just remember thinking, there's so much more that we can do to build up this community and to continue this conversation. And I really very much want to be a part of it. And it was, it was something that was very much in the back of my mind. But to be around all those Star Wars fans and all that new stuff. And actually, I, I remember seeing like a, a quick... Uh, 10 to 15 second preview of the Anakin Obi-Wan fight on Mustafar. And mm-hmm. you'll you'll love and appreciate this. There were probably about 40 or 50 people standing, staring at the screen that had it. And I mm-hmm. had my back to the screen because I didn't want it to be spoiled for me. They're <laughs> 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 probably the only one in the whole place. But it was no, it was wonderful. It, 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 Dan, that is half your charm. And more to the point, I respect that much self-discipline. You know, that that's... You know, uh, I, I would have sat there and watched it several times. So, you know, okay, looking for nuance. And this was um, before cell phones were a thing, which makes me sound oh, that's right. older. Yeah. But I'm sure that would have been all over social media. Okay. And, and and now where was this held in Indianapolis? At the Indianapolis Convention Center, like right downtown in Indianapolis. It's, it's huge. In fact, uh, Indiana Comic Con last year, every year is, is held in that same place. It's hard to imagine. I think it's too small for celebration now. But at the time, it was great. Uh, there were I remember meeting Tamira Morrison and Amy Allen, who plays Ayla Secura. I remember seeing Kenny Baker there, Ray Park. Uh, there, there were quite a few Star Wars celebra- uh, celebrities there. And it was very, very distinct. Like, here's the autograph area. Here's the show floor. Here's where the panels are. And I didn't even think I really realized the the power and the impact of panels, so I didn't attend any of them. I just walked around the show floor for hours and hours and hours, and I thought it was incredible. Little did I know that one day is not enough to experience celebration, but at the time, it certainly wet my whistle. Well, okay. So now let's jump ahead 10 years to your next Star Wars celebration. I, and in fact, this is a very special Star Wars celebration for me personally, the one that happened in Anaheim, April 16th through the 19th, 2015, because this is the first time you and I met in person. That's right. We had done a podcast, I don't know, a few months before that, perhaps. You and Len mm-hmm. came on an early iteration of Coffee with Kenobi, and we, Coffee with Kenobi, was the very first show to ever be on Lucasfilm's Star Wars Celebration podcast stage. And I had let you know about that, I think, maybe either email or maybe when you were on the show. And I looked up and I saw your happy, smiling face there. And I remember feeling very honored that I that you were there. Leland Chi was there. Uh, we had a packed house. We even had a line going out the door, which I thought was you did. really you did. wonderful. You know, I, in fact, that I actually had to wait a bit before I could get into the room. That, that you know, um, But yeah, that, that was my first experience as well. Or, or so my first experience with Star Wars Celebration. And I mean, I, I'd done, you know, Comic-Con and, you know, New York Comic-Con. And I think at that point there had been uh, one or two uh, D23 Expos. But I, I have to tell you, the vibe at Star Wars Celebration was was so different. I And I, it's hard to explain, you know, that, that I mean, you, you've done the other cons, so you know, how that level of anxiety and stress, you know, that, that you can sometimes get in an event like that, uh, or more to the point that the vibe you can get off of other people at an event like that. And, and Star Wars celebration just buries the needle in the other direction for some reason. And it does. Why is that exactly? You know, ironically, when I went to San Diego Comic-Con a couple of years ago, 
on yep. preview night, I had just gotten done. I went across the street and walked into my hotel. As soon as I walk in the lobby, I see Dave Filoni. And mm-hmm. I walk over to the ele- just you know, I smile, but I don't bother him. And I go to the elevator, open mm-hmm. the door, I walk in, and, I, and I'm getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in the elevator, and it was Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I asked him what made this different, San Diego Comic-Con different from Star Wars Celebration. He said, well, Comic-Con is fun, but you've got mm-hmm. all these different fans and, and atmospheres and just sort of a different uh, cultural vibe, as you said. He said, but Star Wars Celebration is different because everybody's there for the same thing. Everybody mm-hmm. can really let their hair down and be Star Wars fans. And I think that is a great way to describe it. There's just uh, an electricity there because I think Star Wars is at its best when there's a lull between movies or conventions and people are just so mm-hmm. excited and rabid. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about Celebration Chicago in a little bit, but I, I feel like there's just not a lot of negativity. It's just it's just enjoyment and embracing the fandom and the mythology. And it's it's very special. And they all do have, like, D23 has a different feel. They all have different feels, but Celebration is very unique. No, I agree. I agree. But, but at the same time, I mean, of the uh, the 2015 event, or the, I mean, obviously, it's, it's got to have been a thrill to be the, the first podcast on the podcast stage there. But was there, there anything else you, rem- you remembered from that year's event? Or? Oh, yeah, I remember a ton of things. Well, for one thing, literally right before the podcast stage, they dropped the trailer for The Force Awakens where right. Harrison famously said, right. Chewie, we're home. The place erupted, and we were running mm-hmm. up to the stage because we had maybe about 10 minutes before it started. And mm-hmm. I remember my my host at the time, Corey Club, asking me about the trailer. I said, dude, we got to get to the show. We'll talk about it on the stage. And that's exactly <laughs> what we did. And then there was uh, – we went over to Disneyland, the, just meeting uh, – we met – that was when there's so many podcasts first started – so we got to meet mm-hmm. so many different podcasts, and I got to meet Vanessa Marshall for the first time, and I got to interview Freddie Prince Jr. face to face for like a special thing, and and he that was just an incredible, incredible experience because there were only a handful of us went to a private room. Uh, that that was in Star Star Wars Rebels had this wonderful thing, and that was where a kid came on stage, and Filoni whispered to the to the to the young man, I don't actually the young lady, who the voice of Chopper was. And he says he legitimately told her who it was. And, of course, we didn't know for years it was actually him. But I believe that he did that. And we met Dave there as well, uh, going mm-hmm. around those show floors. It was just it was just an incredible experience, just unlike anything else. And just the excitement of The Force Awakens. No one knew about it yet, but they had all the costumes on display. Of course, the cast was there, and Anthony Bresnikan hosted that premiere panel for that. It was, it was magic. It really was. I agree. I agree. And I, I remember being in the hall for that. And, and you're right. The, uh, you know, the, the, the reaction there, though, I, though also the Rogue One trailer or, or the teaser also got a, a, a huge response. Yeah, that and um, they, they literally was something they didn't even use in the movie. It was just like a, a shot of a, no, the Death Star exactly. being built. You know, uh, you know, just radio traffic and then that 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 image of like the. Uh, you know, what is it? The deaths are looming over like a jungle planet. And you're right. You know, the, the, nothing that ever actually showed up in the film. And um, uh, is that also where Josh, we first kind of got the idea that Josh Trank was not going to be working on a Star Wars film? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he had a cold or, or something to That's that right. That's right. Um, I, though, I, I, I want to double back on, on to the, the, the Force Awakens panel because 
honestly, you know, first of all, the, the cast really, uh, you got great energy off the cast because they seemed as excited to be in front of the fans as the fans seems to be seeing them. But can you talk about how the audience first reacted when they saw BB-8 in person? It was insane because the, the physics of it was unlike anything we had seen before. Of course, you've seen Astromex and R2-D2 and the droid builders, all the incredible work that they do. But yep. to see a spherical droid roll out uh, seemingly on its own power, its own volition, people mm-hmm. lost their minds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, again, it was kind of a rock star moment. It really and- was. You know, and, and, and somewhere, you know, a, a, a Disney consumer product executive smiled. It's like, oh, my Christmas bonus. That's true. Um, now, I, I have to ask, though, because uh, it's kind of, a, you know, face it, half the fun of Star Wars celebration with the Anaheim Convention Center is it's literally across the street from Disneyland. So, you know, that, that getting back and forth to the park and, and, and you know, having fun, you know, doing, you know, Star Tours and that sort of thing, relatively easy. Now, to jump ahead to uh, 2017, to Star Wars Celebration Orlando, um, that's an entirely different animal because the the Anaheim Convention Center, a giant, huge, monstrous facility, uh, is off of iDrive. It's actually closer to Universal than it is to Disney. So what, what was that one like for you? So that one was a little bit different. It would probably be my least favorite celebration that I've ever attended because I really? felt like it was the panels were a little tricky to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had very spe- specific guidelines about what time you could actually get in line and you weren't allowed to wait overnight. And Corey and I woke up at four in the morning. There had mm-hmm. already been people there overnight that didn't enforce any guidelines that they had. That happened the entire weekend. That was very frustrating. Uh, it was almost impossible to get into the to the gift shop. Uh, there were a lot of certainly a lot of challenges for that. But the the plus side was mm-hmm. they had Star Wars Galactic Nights on April fourteenth, and that was maybe one of the best Disney experiences at a theme park that I've ever had because it was closed off for the private event. There was actually a red carpet going all the way down Hollywood Boulevard. They had different mm-hmm. Star Wars kiosks for a very unique photo opportunities such as being in the trash compactor an actual one one scale the emperor's throne all kinds of things like that very exclusive merchandise which i'm a big fan of and i just mm-hmm. walked around with my with my good friends that i don't always get to see very much because they're in different parts of the world and it was just amazing you went on the rock and roller coaster and it was john williams music it wasn't aerosmith and the light oh. and the lights were changed to to be to reflect a kind of a different perspective and it was it was absolutely tremendous. The the community feeling there was mm-hmm. so palpable and just so wonderful. Okay, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this when they did the Star Wars specific version of the Indiana Jones stunt show? Or? No, that was back uh, when they had Star Wars Celebration in Orlando the previous time. Ah, yes. Okay, because I just recently that that that. Somebody put that up on YouTube, and it was the first time I got to to, to see that, and it's great. that was quite clever. Oh, so fun! But uh, let's see. And again, out ahead of of tonight, I tried to do some research about the Orlando version, and I have to admit, going down into the main conventions, was that the show floor 
where you went under the giant Death Star, or where was that? Uh, well, the show floor had like a big Tie Fighter, and that's where the Star Wars show was. Uh, another reason that that should stand out to people is Lucas was there and Harrison Ford, who both showed up on the Star Wars uh, show stage. Uh, literally two minutes after I was talking to Andy Gutierrez, and I, I walked away, uh, and then I heard all the screaming. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Well, it was only Harrison Ford and George Lucas walking out two steps before where I was, but don't worry, I eventually got to meet him later. Yeah, that's true. Ryan that's... Johnson was there, and one of the mornings, the morning of the Last Jedi panel, he went down and he shook hands and took pictures with every single person in line. And that oh. is, not only does he a genius and incredible filmmaker, but the guy is an absolute treasure. I, it, it's so interesting you say that because uh, one of the things I almost talked about in and Dave Filoni outdoing promotion for uh, you know, for the Mandalorian uh, did this you know talking about the prep getting ready you know because he'd never shot live action before and it, it was it was Ryan Johnson it's like well look come down to the set and you know did, suddenly he's sitting next to the camera with Ryan Johnson and his director of photography. And he's explaining to, to Dave, it's like, okay, this is why, you know, we're positioning the camera this way. This is why we're doing this lights. And, and he, he literally, you know, trained him in the art of directing. That's um, I didn't know that. That yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. No, no, it sounds like a hell of a guy. He so, is. He is. Was there anything else in particular that, that, that stuck, you know, or, or leaped out for you for the Orlando? Um, uh, well, it just all, all of the, the the big thing was Galactic Nights and the just the even though there was a lot of frustration with the panels and getting into the show floor or getting into the arena itself, uh, there was just a lot of people that were just very excited to to celebrate Star Wars. I was able to meet a number of authors that I never met mm -hmm. before. Uh, got to talk with Leland and Pablo and Matt Martin quite a bit and. It was just, it was just a fun experience, but it wasn't as exciting as Celebration Anaheim. But it did get better. The one we're about to talk about. Well, yes, that, that that's jumping ahead now to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, and again, uh, once again in April. This time, April eleventh to the fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. And uh, to set the stage here, now what was kind of cool about this one is. You actually were able to commute to this one, right? You, you took the train into Chicago. That's right. It's, Chicago's about two hours and 15 minutes from where I live, so I mm -hmm. saved a, quite a bit of money on airfare. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we just took the train up, and it was that was pretty great because it was in very much sort of in my backyard. I'm very familiar with Chicago. I've, go, I've been there quite a bit. My oldest mm -hmm. goes to college there, film school. And it, it, was, it was cool. That was, and that was also the first celebration – I was on I was on a panel at Celebration Orlando. I guess I should point that out. That was the first time I was ever on a Celebration panel. It was for StarWars.com writers. But for mm -hmm. Celebration Chicago, I was on three panels, if you include the podcast stage. I was on uh, covering the media. First, mm -hmm. uh, Star Wars, now something that you were going to be on, but you weren't able to make it. So that's yeah, actually where I met Drew Taylor cool. for the first time. Yeah, well, that, that's true. And, and Drew and, was kind enough to fill in for me the... Flew out to be there with you at, at McCormick Place. Is that right? Or? McCormick Place, a huge place. And mm -hmm. uh, it was, that was incredibly fun. And Clayton Sandell, Anthony Bresnik, and Amy Rochelle also on that. And then uh, Clayton had to leave early. He and I were going to do a panel on the mythology of Star Wars uh, in front of and behind the camera. 
And then he had to mm-hmm. go cover something for ABC. So I ended up doing that solo, and that is very memorable to me because it was the last panel of the convention. Mm-hmm. I legitimately thought I was going to walk in the room and see about 15 people. There were over 400. It was packed. And, and at the very last minute, I do this with teaching too, I suddenly thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to do something completely different from what I had planned. And I just got up there and I talked and I taught the room like I would an opening mythology class. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I don't know, I, was, I felt like I was a different person at that time. I love presenting, but I just felt like I was transported to another place. It was just so fun and so powerful. And and one of the reasons I it inspired me to do DanzyMedia.com, because I just thought, I love this presenting. I need to do much, much more of this. Well, I, you know, and again, you know, from friends who attended that, it, it, it talked about how you were kind of on fire, you know, just so, you know, very much in the moment. And that's kind uh, of you to say. Yeah, uh, and then you know, folks, if you 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 know uh, want kind of a taste of that, I you know, you know, we've talked about this in um, previous shows, but your uh, teaching Star Wars series over at StarWars.com. Uh, in fact, you know, that I just checked before, you know, we did the show here and there was a, for lack of a better term, a predecessor studying Skywalkers. Was that, yeah. what was that? That was, that was one of my first things that I ever did for StarWars.com. When I, I first made a pitch to Lucasfilm that I was a teacher and I used Star Wars in the classroom and they loved it. They mm-hmm. ran with it and that eventually led to a, a pretty regular column for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my first foray into a larger world with StarWars.com. Well, again, I know I keep beating this same drum, but now, especially given between you know teaching Star Wars and studying Skywalkers, there's more than enough material here for a book, Dan. You know, I mean, hey, I'm I'm game. I love it. Okay, okay, uh, you know that, and and perhaps. You know, if you get it together, you could you can have the book ready in time for August uh, 2022, which is when Star Wars Celebration is now scheduled to be held at the Anaheim Convention Center. Uh, the You know, the very next one of those. That's right. Uh, and I, again, they move the date to line up with the new Star Wars film. Is that correct? Or? Well, that was originally the case, but now they've put that film back another year. So I, so there won't be a film to sort of be a tentpole to help promote. Right. So that's interesting. I hope that doesn't affect Star Wars Celebration. I mean, of course, a yeah. lot of this, and I don't think that it will because they tried to pick a time where it didn't compete with the D23 Expo. Okay, because that that was I literally just updated yesterday my multi-year film schedule to you know after every release date for every film known to man has changed. Yeah, you know, just plugging those all in there, and and you're right that they they now alternate with the there are going to be five Avatar movies. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm sorry. That's I I, th- I know I've said this before. That's a lot of blue people. That is, uh, you know, and even the Smurfs can't, you know, I don't think they, they, they petered out of three films. <laughs> uh, oh, well, anyway, Dan, thank you so much for, for, for talking about Star Wars Celebration. I mean, it, it's still sad that we don't get to do it next week. Uh, but on the other hand, to have you talk about what made the earlier one special and, you know, for me, that that, that it, it makes me look forward to August of, of 2022, which, 
like, you know, given the way my life is working now, that's five minutes from now, folks. You know, that, oh, that, yeah. that he, you'll turn around and it, it'll be right here. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll by then uh, we'll have a better handle on COVID uh, and actually be able to enjoy ourselves there. But, and go to, to the Star Wars Disneyland after dark Star Wars night that you and I have been looking forward to for so long. And, and it really needs to be. Thank you for uh, asking me about a lot of the celebration stuff. It, it, it can't go unnoticed that the, the celebration is it just highlights and spotlights this wonderful community of Star mm-hmm. Wars fans who are passionate, energetic, and friendly. You, you meet people that you talk with online over the years, and they become very close friends. Uh, you know, I of course, I tease about Drew pretty regularly, but that was the way he and I actually met face-to-face. We hung out at a couple of junket mm-hmm. things, and, uh, you know, gosh, we're friends for life, and... I have you to thank for that because you introduced us. So I appreciate that. Well, don't thank me yet. That's true. I, I guess I could reserve the right to change my mind. I love Drew, but, but okay. Um, well, anyway, I can that that people are looking. You know, people who didn't get to go to Star Wars Celebration are looking for Star Wars related things to sort of fill the gap here. So can, can you talk about what's been going on with, with coffee with Kenobi lately and, and more to the point, what's going on with your, your, your Patreon project? Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Well, of course we had Ahmed Bass and then we had Ian Desher, author of the William Shakespeare Star Wars series. Last week we had George Mann who does um, the Star Wars mythology books and he's got a, a new book uh, out as sort of a horror collection of short stories star wars related that was fun and actually the show that's coming out this week is also a celebration show where uh, myself and two of my good friends talked about the top five things we are most disappointed that we won't get to experience this year at celebration but very much like our show today looking at lucasfilm it was kind of a, a love fest and a celebration of what we love it got me much much more excited about the one in 2022 than i was before a good chance to spotlight a lot of the great things that can happen there. Uh, so much fun. And then on our Patreon page, we sort of rebranded it. Now it, Now I refer to it as the CWK Alliance because I feel like Star Wars fans are very much united in their in their drive and their passion and their love of this galaxy far, far away. So I thought, well, yeah, we're, we're part of an alliance. Let's call it the CWK Alliance. So on the CWK Alliance, you can hear CWK Parora, which is our exclusive weekly podcast and there's also a video option for it as well and last week we did top five favorite obscure superheroes from marvel and dc you talk about very very deep cuts that was fun and then uh, this weekend coming up it's going to be top five favorite snacks which is <laughs> very much a silly topic but we had a blast oh, okay well all right that that that, that sounds you know that that'll you know Sort of fill the gap, so to speak. You That's know, right. The, the, for those of us who are, so, you know, just we're looking forward to that, that, you know, three or four days of Star Wars goodness. Uh, but if you, you know, you need something other than Star Wars, uh, over at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, we have, of course, uh, Disney Years with Montesta. Uh, Drew Taylor and I are going to be recording a new fine tuning tomorrow or Friday. I forget which. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have, I just recorded a brand new Marvel Us Disney with Aaron Adams this earlier this evening. And in a day or so, I'm going to be doing a new Universal joint with Dustin Fuse. And 
Michelle uh, Valladolid and I are going to be looking at Disney merch with a new episode of I Want That, which, again, if, if all had gone according to plan, we would have been talking about new Star Wars merch. But, hey, you got to roll with the punches, folks. Um, and, and speaking of rolling, you know, that if you folks could roll on over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only uh, the podcast you're listening to now, looking at Lucasfilm, but also Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, that would be incredibly helpful to Dan and I. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard tonight, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. Um, and, and again, Dan, I so enjoy what you do on, on social media, so I want to make sure that other people can check it out. So where can they find you, Twitter, Instagram, the like? Sure. Well, for me personally, it's at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R. And for the show, Coffee with Kenobi, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, on We have a YouTube channel that I'd love for you to subscribe to. And then you can follow us on Pinterest, which actually has a massive following. Probably our biggest one, surprisingly. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, what, Jim Hill Media? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Though I will mention that Pinterest thing to Nancy, and we'll see if we can come join the party over there uh anyway folks uh again wanted to thank you uh for joining dan and i tonight uh hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back in two weeks or so with a brand new episode of looking at lucasfilm so till then take care <laughs>